All right, welcome everyone. This is another episode of That Record Got Me. Hi, I'm your host, Rob Elba. It's wonderful having you all with me. I'm going to be honest, I'm a little under the weather. I feel like I'm getting a cold maybe, which I, I, I hate that. You know that feeling when you know you're going to wake up. I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to have a full-on cold. I just have that feeling, but whatever. I'm going to plow through it because uh, I have a guest here with me. He's a returning guest. I'd like to welcome all the way from Milwaukee, Oregon. We, we say Portland, but he's really in Milwaukee, Oregon. And he's a teacher. And I thought he was a teacher, but we were just talking. And now I know for sure he was. So welcome back to the show, Matthew Kenneth. Welcome back to the show, Matthew. Yeah, glad to be here. Now, Matthew, uh, what do you teach and where? So I'm a substitute teacher uh, in the Gladstone School District, which is just a, a community just south of where I live. There's only like five, five schools. So I'm get, already getting to know the students really well. So I, I, I teach everything from, you know, kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, PE, you name it. Right. And I also uh, found out, which I, I probably knew before when you did, but maybe I forgot that you are a musician, you're a drummer and you're, and you're still doing it and you're playing and you got a, a gig uh, coming up, right? Yeah. So I have a story for everything. I mean, this is story time with Robin Guest. So I guess I should tell the story, right? Go ahead and do it. But keep it quick. If it's really I, bad, I I'll, I'll just see, no one will hear it. I'll just edit it out. Oh, uh, okay. Let's give it a Don't shot. edit this part out. This is good stuff right here. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. So I didn't play drums for like 20-some years. Uh, last time I was in a band was like in the 90s, late 90s. You know, when my son was born, I'm like, well, I'm I'm I need to just not play drums because I've got I've got my I've got a lot on my plate. Right. You have responsibilities, right? You can't be doing yeah, that. So, yeah. So I had a nice sixties, like, uh, God, what was it? I think it was a Gretsch, like jazz kit. Anyway, a long time ago. And then about a year. Yeah. But almost two years ago, I bought a drum set kind of for my kid, ironically. Um, but he never really took to it. So I'm like, well, you know, I can show you how to play drums. I think I'm a pretty decent teacher. He just never took to it. So I started playing the drums and then I got pretty good again, actually better than I was back in the nineties. And then, um, and then the next thing is I, I kind of pieced a band together uh, with this central kind of uh, theme of sixties garage rock covers. Cause I don't know anyone who can write a decent song. Like it's hard to write a song. I mean, it which, is. you know, we, we can tie that into this record or any other record yeah um so i'm like you know let's not reinvent the wheel people already kind of like made these beautiful songs back in the 60s let's just learn these songs and that's what we've we've got uh about 20 songs that we've meticulously like looked at and sort of learned all the arrangements and yeah so it's suddenly i'm i'm a drummer you're like a drummer 20, in a band again. Look at that. Yeah, 20, 20 years later. We That's are great. called the Lost Counts. I the should Lost put that Counts. Up. Okay, yeah, nice. Yeah, a little, little plug for my band. <laughs> Lost Counts, Matthew Kenneth. All right, that's awesome. Yeah, that's good to know. And yeah, so I was, I mean, I was excited uh, on the band and the record you picked because it's just, honestly, it's not, it's a band that I, that I remember and that I really liked in the 80s, but I kind of... Honestly, I kind of forgot about it, and I would never expect someone to bring it. So who are we talking about, and what's the album we're talking about? Now? All right, so we're talking about uh, Love Tractor. They're a band from Athens, Georgia. And I'm going to read a little bit of this. I know you, you, don't, you don't like this, but... Um, 
One of the architects of the Athens, Georgia scene, Love Tractor, along with Pylon, B-52s, and REM, Essential and State King Out, the jangly rock that would have and still is a huge influence on subsequent generations. Um, formed in 1979 uh, by art, art students, uh, I guess I'll, I'll say their names, Armistead Welford, Mike Richmond, and Mark Klein, as a vehicle to entertain their art school pals in the then backwater college town of Athens. Yeah, and, and um, I was a fan of, of them, of the whole, because I, I mean, I was a fan of REM and the B-52s and uh, Pylon, so I was a fan of uh, Love Tractor, and I owned their first two oh, albums okay. that came out. Their self-titled one... around the bend and I own them and I listen to them all the time and I put them on mixtapes and then Matthew as I do all the time I just sort of forgot about them and let them by the wayside and didn't wonder you know so I never heard this record till you brought it back and this is a fucking great record yeah, Teams for well, Venus so, is a great record yeah were you so you were in Florida then right uh, I was I was in South Florida yeah and so not, not too far. far right maybe not too far from. Did they ever uh, make it down to Florida? Or yes, did you... they, they okay. did, and I was going to tell you. And I saw them, and and it's funny. I, I I saw them. That that was a good thing. Like Athens bands would come down to Florida, so I saw the B fifty twos. Obviously, you know REM. Mm-hmm. I got to see early on, but yeah, I saw them. And it's funny when I saw them. I remember me and my wife. We were we weren't even husband and wife. We were just dating. We were young, but we went to see them, and uh, Mike sang some songs and it was like wait i didn't know they sang but they were starting to like you know add vocals because they were originally instrumental that was their thing that they were an instrumental yeah. band but they were already when i saw them he was already starting to sing uh sing have you little. seen the uh the video for the um i don't know some kind of athens or it could be actually an atlanta uh music festival that they that they played at was it back in the day or recent yeah back in the day yeah okay okay yeah and it's you know it's it's great um lots of camera time on them like going through like a bunch of songs The funny thing is, uh, and it was sort of an inside joke, anytime anyone posted anything on social media about Love Tractor, in the video, they're playing live on the stage and they're all in shorts. Oh, right. <laughs> and as we know, unless you're D. Boone, you know, it's not punk rock to wear shorts, sort of, right? You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And these weren't just like, and these were like almost like kind of tight, like, athletic shorts <laughs> and it's like wow i mean you know it was 80s were, it was it, it was the 80s yeah. though, so you have to they forgive really don't a lot care. The 80s. yeah you yeah know? right right well, and also cool. that's that's kind of the beautiful thing in a way i guess if like you see yourself as that sort of band and you don't really align yourself with like the punk movement right um, 
right. you can kind of dress however you want. You yeah, know? yeah, which is cool. And yeah, there is. I don't know. Is you talk because there's a great uh, a documentary on the uh, Athens scene called Inside Out. That's really good. Yeah, Athens Inside Out. Yeah, yeah, Athens Inside Out. But all right. So Matthew, when did you first uh, discover them? I mean, probably in the '80s. I was uh, at the University of Oregon in '86. That's when I started, and there was a little record store there that had a lot of sort of you know college rock records. Right. I mean, I probably knew about them in high school, like before that, maybe like '84, '85, um, because I was a big fan of the Athens bands. Then I loved Let's Active in uh, like '85. I loved REM. I loved Python. You know, in fact, I was even thinking, you know, after graduating from high school in Minnesota, I was like, well, you know, why don't I move to Athens? I mean, it seemed like the place to go. Yeah. Kind of. You know, you had L.A., you had Austin, some bands from Austin. You had Athens. Of course, I was in Minnesota. I guess I could have just stayed and enjoyed the Minneapolis music scene while going to U of M or something. You had Hoboken. Don't forget Hoboken. Right, right. But Athens was a really small, I mean, Athens is a really small town. It's just like a college town, a little college town. So it was, right. it, it's funny, you you had sent me some things, because I guess, now, do you have a, a connection with the band, or did you just, like, send them, you know, notes that you were doing this podcast? Because you... No. Yeah, no connection. I mean, you know, <laughs> okay. just the usual fanboy stuff, friends with them on Facebook. Right, right follow you know what they're doing uh from their posts and then you know the student in me wants to not traverse this high wire without a net and so i reached out to them so i could create this you know four or five page how many pages here you know cheat sheet because you know it's more interesting when you've got a little bit of i think when you got a little bit of background um because you know it informs what what um you know what what you're what you're looking at it kind of colors it a little better yeah yeah and and you had shared the the notes that they had sent you and and mike had mentioned in in particular that he remembered that 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 kind of happened like you were you said you were thinking of moving there like people did actually people like love these bands and started some people would were moving there and forming bands but it, it's funny he kind of said well they kind of didn't get it because the whole reason as you said the whole reason they originally formed their bands were just to entertain each other and their friends you know and it was very you know it was uh they, they were a lot of them were like art school students and um and you know it, it wasn't so much that they were thinking of a career as being rock musicians they were just you know expressing themselves this way in these in these bands in these weird uh, quirky bands so i, I well, thought and a similar kind of thing yeah and a similar thing happened you know kind of here in my part of the country with uh olympia you know, in the early to mid '90s, a lot of kids were moving to Olympia because right, of right. K Records, Kill Rock Stars, and all the bands that were, you know, coming out of Olympia and also points, you know, close by. Yes. And then, you know, I remember talking to people from Olympia who were born and raised there, and like, I don't know why these people are moving here. There's, there's nothing here. There's like, a good, that's a good lesson no. for kids for any kids listening about once what if you if you hear about a scene if there's a scene and you think you want to move there it's too late already that scene it, it already happened 
and it happened organically and you're not going to move there and like catch that fire start your own scene and wherever you live yeah. you know yeah well and a little bit of an aside um so because i'm in this sort of 60s garage rock cover band a lot of the covers that we do um you know they're bands from mostly from 1966 strangely it seems to be this uh ground zero for uh garage rock and a lot of these bands were from really uh far-flung places like really like flyover states and even within those states like towns i'd never even heard of right right and they made this music in these you know and it's like you know they didn't have the internet they didn't have you know whatever and they were creating their own thing sure they must have heard you know uh you know the first jefferson airplane record if they were you know uh, devotees of the san francisco sound but i mean you know there was so little information to go on that you just by default were going to create something original right right there's touchstones but yeah exactly and and that's i think what happened with these uh Athens bands, you know, that's just, it's just, it it isn't a a coincidence that all these great bands came there, but yeah, they sort of came from this because they were just these little, very small, weird little scene and they didn't have a baggage, any baggage about what a band should be or what it should be. They just sort of, you know, did whatever they wanted to do. And um, yeah, it's great. So, so yeah, so this album, like for me, like I said, I had known that the, that uh, Mike was starting to sing in the band. They were starting, but I, I really I kick myself when I hear stuff like this. And I said, why didn't I keep up with them? Like, I love their first two records. So why didn't I check out this record, Themes of Venus, which came out in 1988. It's produced by who? Who produced it? Uh, produced by Mitch Easter. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I mean, and it's really good. It's funny. What I uh, One thing I appreciate about it is it sounds great, but it doesn't quite have that 80s you know how it is you know how some some things recorded in the 80s you just know right away it has that time stamp uh, and a lot of times it's the drums the way the drums sound but this really doesn't have that it sounds very very good and very produced like he, he i think mitch and the band did a really good job producing it but it doesn't sound like some of that cliche that you know sometimes the, the music's good but it's still uh, it's very dated sounding but i don't think this is that but it's just it's still it's it's just a really good record and it's and it's like pop it's a pop record but it's also quirky and it's like oddball pop and and it's very uh, dada-esque in a way i think uh the lyrics especially the lyrics to me you know they're like an arty party band and it's made for dancing party party band that's good yeah and that was like a big thing you know with new wave music you know you had no wave in new york you know punk was basically dead except for you know in orange county when all the jocks like all the all the ocean you know this the ocean town you know kids like kind of like took over the 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 punk scene in la but before that you know it was just sort of this free-for-all of like anything goes kind of you know it wasn't formulaic but you know probably one of the defining things about you know early 80s music uh was it was kind of meant for dancing and so they're def- definitely like a kind of a fun 
dance kind of a dance band really you know <laughs> yeah yeah but it but it's just very it's really hard to quantify these songs are really good but they're also really strange and they go in these weird uh, directions you know that you wouldn't uh think it did and i think that a lot of that comes from the fact that they were instrumental they were instrumental band originally and they really uh mike richmond and mark klein really you know relied a lot on their guitars and like sort of they they were like not a jam band at all you could tell their songs were were very well thought out and well arranged yeah it's instrumental it's instrumental dance rock yeah I yeah mean, it is very yeah dance no. you could hear it you you could hear it that's why i said i used to put them on mixtapes i'd always uh put a love tractor song on a mixtape i'd make because and people would go oh wow that's really cool because it's just it just sounds like fun and happy but um, but yeah, man, th- this album with uh, with uh, Mike singing on it and some of the songs, like you 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 think at first, oh, is this an instrumental? And oh no, he's, there's going to be vocals, but they're really they're really. And you know, the quirky. funny thing is, is I actually really like his vocals, and I think yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're yeah. great. Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're he's great. a a pretty like pretty decent singer for you know uh, a band that was known to you know be an instrumental band. And then by the time you got to uh, Themes from Venus, by the time they, you know, went to uh, drive-in studios and Mitch Easter, you know, sprinkled his magic fairy dust on it. Yep. He was almost like a fifth member of the band. And, and you know, I mean, rightfully so. I mean, he's a musician and, you know, his production credits was, you know, were already, um, had already, you know, given him that sort of uh, star power. But he has a really good ear. And also, obviously, you know, Mitch Easter is, you know, very enamored with with 60s music. You know, when you look when you when you listen to the, you know, the R.E.M. records that he produced, he put a little bit of like a, a 60s vibe to it. Listen to Every Dog Has His Day, the Let's Active record. Very, you know, kind of 60s, you know, influence. And I think the same is here, uh, true here with Themes from Venus. I feel like um, there's a lot of kind of um, kind of 60s and like 70s right. kind of music, musical touch. There's and 70s for sure, too. yes. It's great. All right, let's listen. So let's listen to the opening track. I mean, it just starts out, and and right away I heard this, and I said, "Man, I'm gonna really like this record," and I really did. So let's listen to the opening track. I broke my saw.
I, I love it. Uh, tell tell Jill and Tina to come to my house. I broke my saw and I can't come out. That's so great. But what the fuck is this song about? Well, I mean, so they have this um, lyrics writer who wrote the lyrics to this song. So he's almost sort of like, you know, Love Tractor's uh, Robert Hunter. Oh, really? I, I didn't well, realize in a way, that. yeah. You know, Robert Hunter wrote, you know, all basically most of the lyrics to Grateful Dead songs. Right, right, right. And they have this they have this guy named John C. Wright. He wrote a poem called I Broke My Saw and the song is inspired by the poem. Oh, okay, okay. His poem is relatively short and but they added a lot to the original poem. So yeah, uh this guy John C. Wright, I don't think this is the only song. I think there's other songs on here too so oh, okay so he was kind of yeah. like their uh, van dyke parks from the with the beach boys like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of working cool. behind the scenes right and you know what i love about this song it could absolutely be an rem song oh okay okay you've got the twangy guitar right. that could be peter buck um the lyrics are you know kind of like the the main character this 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 narrator it's he's sort of a folky folksy kind of guy you know um eccentric folky guy talking about you know i don't know what he's talking about but i mean i could imagine a song like this on um you know any of the first four uh, or five rem records right 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 it's lyrically the 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 themes are similar you know in fact i mean i can imagine sort of like walking around you know reverend howard finster's property you know and getting uh inspiration for writing a song like this it's, right it's that kind of vibe you know yes yes yeah no totally i could see that and um yeah and, and just the um the uh sort of avant-garde like like feeling like just sort of not uh not not lyrically specific uh it, it just moves throughout the whole record and definitely on this uh the next song which is the title track uh which is also awesome but also like just the lyrics go all over the place let's listen to the title track themes from themes so great and you know uh, one thing uh matthew that i was thinking about listening to this if if you didn't know anything about these guys you wouldn't uh, there's no way you'd say oh these guys are from georgia they could be like from uh britain like from uh, the uk anywhere yeah yeah i mean it's just uh i mean there's definitely i think there's definitely something american about them though um 
but yeah, but other than that, like where, who knows, but right. I, I think they're pretty American, you know, um, uh, who do we have here saying this? I need to go to the name. Mark. Mark says, and it's funny because he says that his the influences for him and maybe the others were all these disparate uh, influences, including um, Bowie, Eno, um, Noe, right. um, Neil Young, uh, Metal, <laughs> Iron Maiden. <laughs> oh, and nice. Like, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean... But yeah, it's, you know, it's like Americans who are enamored with, um, you know, British music being made, but can't really help themselves. They just, to me, end up sounding, you know, American as all get out, no matter what their intentions are. I guess, yeah, I I guess you're right. I see what you're saying, because it's funny. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I used to think that uh, about like the B-52s and R.E.M. too, because no matter what, they're southernness like would always come out yeah you know that they, they, they couldn't hide it but i don't know with love tractor definitely i guess in a way i could see that uh, the southern i mean you know at the end of the day of course uh, they're a southern band but i don't know listening to some of this i could feel i feel like someone who didn't know anything could think they were a new york band or something you know could could be from just about anywhere it would be it would be hard to yeah it would be kind of hard to pinpoint like <laughs> to pinpoint you know. it yeah exactly except you know if you you know if you had already uh, gotten into the other um, bands from Athens then you then you would see oh okay right you know there, there's right. some themes and some styles that that I think you know a lot of these bands kind of share um, another band that I really liked back in high school that Mitch Easter also produced from your home state the wind oh my god how do you i mean you're me and you are probably like the two of like five people that know about the wind but i i, I, no, definitely I think there's six the or wind. seven actually okay okay <laughs> i definitely remember the wind let me into the house on fire i think i can stop the flames if you don't clear us a path to walk on the ones alive might die today yeah, and oh wow, I mean that is a very sixties band. Yeah. So that's obscure. You know, that's really obscure. I'm hopefully I'm gonna be able to find someone uh, to play. <laughs> My high school new wave band, the Xcon, played played you know shows clubs with the wind and and I, oh. I'll, I'll never forget they were really nice guys nice kids and one of uh, one of the members of the wind i forget which one said it but they said their their whole thing was they they wanted to play quiet enough where people could still would still be able to uh to uh, talk to each other in the club while they were playing. is that what, how they named themselves the wind maybe <laughs> just something in the background yeah yeah exactly so mark klein he writes um after the release of Themes from Venus, I was at a party at Peter Buck's house. Peter is a true musicologist and one of the first, if only people, to get, quote unquote, get the gist of the album. We were chatting and he asked, so why did you guys make a 70s album? Oh, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, with Themes from Venus, the song. There's that third part that is kind of like right where you dropped out. You got to play that third part. I will. I'll, I'll bring it in there. That's where things get 
super 70s yes, right there. Yes, yeah, you're right. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I will play a little of that. Yeah, and you're right. It's funny. As as 80s, you know, this was made in the 80s, but yeah, I feel like there is, there is a very 70s uh, sheen to a lot that's going on there. It's hard sometimes, it's, it's hard to actually pinpoint what it is, but it's there for sure. Yeah, and of course, Peter Buck. And it's a little bit psychedelic. I mean... You know, there's a lot of little sonic details, and yes, uh, you yeah, know, there are. You listen with headphones, and you have, of course, you know, it, it got um, remastered and remixed. Yeah, yeah, they they just recently on a uh, propeller, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, you know, it's like, wow. I mean, you know, Mitch and company just threw the whole kitchen sink into into the making of that record yeah they really did there's a lot of care in it uh doing it and it does sound great um yeah let's listen to the uh the third track on it uh and we'll talk about it it's called crash Oh man, it's so good. That that chorus is like so good and so catchy, but but the but the words are so like obscure in a way that uh that I, I feel like in a way these guys could have been uh, which I don't know, it seems silly to say because they're they're peers of REM and I, I think in, in a lot of ways they're they're just as good, but it's just not something that's gonna catch on as universally with people, I think. I mean it's, it's you know, the people that sort of gravitate like us that gravitate to the things that are a little weirder, stranger, are gonna really love this more, I think. Yeah, and Mike Richmond writes, um J. G. Ballard uh, was an inspiration for this song. Oh, okay, Crash, right? Yeah, for for Crash, and it says, but there's no way his novel Crash could be summed up in a three minute pop song. Research Magazine did an entire issue devoted to Ballard, and this issue was a huge inspiration for all of this record, uh, but particularly this song. Musically, Crash owes a lot to Bowie and Eno. The chorus was lifted from Moon Age Daydream. But overall, musically, it was more low-inspired. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, but it, it, it's great because they're, they're, they're so good that you, you don't... I mean, now that he's saying it after the fact, you could say, okay, I could see that. I could see they're into all that. But it just sounds so original and so like you know sort of uh, you can't pin like uh, uh, the whole time i was listening to this i was thinking who can i say they sound like and i couldn't come up with anything you know because it's just like so uh you know just uh, different than everything else i agree yeah which is great um and yeah speaking of that we got this song another another like wacky song with a uh with a really great title uh i love it (laughs) 
<laughs> You're gonna what band's gonna call a song Satan's New Wave Soul Losers? Secret Hidden Melodies with uh, Fuck All Reasons to Sleep Endlessly tonight. Oh, the mystery. Yeah, really uh, great. And and it's great. I, I saw they had actually, the reason I have a lot of the lyrics is because they uh, they sent uh, Matthew the lyrics because it's really hard to, to find things about this album. This is my favorite song in this record, easily. Oh, it's so good. It swings. <laughs> it's got such a nice swing to it. And, you know, when you find yourself, like, singing along to lyrics particularly uh where is it i'm looking here so uh in corners now a heavy metal sound really rings on satan's backwards message thing young deadly screams will you speed with me lately nightly wow and i you know i've been singing you know to this song for you know years never knowing of course and we'll never know obviously what these lyrics mean but it's it's a great thing when you're singing along to a song and the lyrics are just you know ridiculous but it's so catchy and if you can actually kind of figure out what the lyrics are you don't even really care what the words are but you just you just want to utter the words you know right now, do you know anything? Uh, well, I'm sure you know some about uh, a Big Time Records because they were on this label, Big Time Records, which a lot of other really good bands were on this label, and the label just kind of uh, disintegrated, right? Yeah. All right. So I do have a note about that. It's a quick one. Big Time Records in in uh, in bold. What an amazing roster of bands. What a fucked up label. That's not my words. <laughs> their words right 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 our clients right. words and you know it says okay jim barber our a and r rep the label amazing guy music fan through and through we first met him when he was a dj at the harvard university radio station and he totally got us i don't think the label owners did and they left a great roster of artists high and dry it was a sad experience for all involved. Yeah, it's crazy because they had like Love and Rockets and the uh, Dream Syndicate, right? Red Cross, uh, Jazz Butcher. Oh, they had scientists. 
Hoodoo Gurus, like all these Hoodoo great Gurus. bands. And yeah, they just sort of left them all. They just sort of really, oh, really badly run uh, label. Yeah. And they just sort of left them all. I just all watched the documentary on um, Hoodoo Gurus and they, they talk briefly about Big Time. Oh, okay. And of course, uh, Steve Michener, you've heard of that guy. I have, I have. A friend of the show. <laughs> friend of the show. You know, Steve Michener from Big Dipper. He he talks about it too. Everyone everyone has something to say about um, the rise and fall of big time records. Right, 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 right. Honestly, I mean, I don't really know the details. I just, it's just, I mean, every label from that time kind of came and went, didn't they? I mean, honestly, for the most part, yeah that, that that's true, and and. Um... And, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, you can't, uh, uh, labels are a kind of a thankless thing because yeah, you get people, uh, the idea is that people that love, love music and love bands are going to start their label and get these bands that they love, but a business, you know, there's, it's also a, a business and they got to make money. So it's hard. I mean, it, it's hard. I'm sure it's hard. Uh, it's hard on all of them, but, uh, but this label in, particular just the fact that they had such a really strong roster of bands but maybe they just didn't know how to promote them proper i don't know I, who knows what the answer is yeah back in the day if a record had a you know a certain was on a certain label you you knew it was going to be good if oh yeah right on, you would buy yeah just for the label itself yeah you'd say yeah, oh, if well, it was on sst right something worth listening to if it was on course yeah uh, a know, touch frontier, and go you right frontier label yeah uh, label sub pop yeah yeah time. that and and you know just real quick it's funny that you mentioned steve Michener because when i when i said i was trying to think of bands that i sounded like big dipper was one of the bands i said ah, you know what i could see some of this stuff i could see uh a big dipper uh kind of that which because yeah. also they were just like had really great songs and really fun sounding and you know just like fun good music um yeah you can't be in a bad mood when you listen to uh this record it's like you may go into it, you know, in a, in a bad mood, but you're not going to come out of it. Love, I've always felt that about them, about this band Love Tractor. And uh, and uh, I also feel that about this this next song. This is the new song number five. It's called Venice. Great song. Great song. Yeah. And again, this is coming from the, uh, what I think he said, uh, he was influenced by Burroughs. Yeah. 
Uh, Mike Richmond says, I found the work of William Burroughs helpful, especially his cut-up technique. I studied the cut-up technique, but did not apply it quite the same way that Burroughs did. He actually cut up text and then reassembled it. I didn't do it that way, but imitated the results he achieved. Oh, right, right, right. So another record like this uh, is, I would say, um, lyrically, I think that uh, Jeff Tweedy talked quite a bit about doing that kind of technique on a Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Right, right, yes. Because he was tired of these sort of tried and true, tired, like, uh, what do you call them, um, when you have to rhyme everything, you know, everything yes, starts right, to get right. kind of like, yeah. you want to shake things up and you want to try something new. So he did that with this record, but the lyrics still make sense. They, they're a little bit, um, they're evocative. They're not nonsensical. They're just, they're just evocative. And they you can are, kind of uh, yeah, they are very want from them. evocative, but they're not, yeah, they're not like uh, standard uh, poetry where every other line is going to rhyme and it's not that. And it's funny, the way they sent the lyrics to you too is interesting because they're just sort of all thrown together, like not separated. And, uh, and, and it's just really interesting, but, um, but they're still really good. And you know what? Uh, real quick, I want to play, because I skipped, I forgot, uh, Crystal World, because that's basically, Crystal World is kind of like an old school uh, Love Tractor instrumental for me, but it's still really good. Uh, but and it closes the side, I believe. So it's sort of like um, the classic side side closer where um, it kind of gives you a little bit of what what's the word? Um, closure, you know? Yeah. Everything that <laughs> was happening side. on side one, Right. Here's, we're going to close side one with with this, and, yes. and it feels that way. And it's and it's great, and it's classic, and it's one of these uh, like a love tractor song that I would put on a, on a mixtape or something. Let's just do a little bit of Crystal War. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, you know, uh, Matthew, you know how when you have uh, albums that you listen to, records, and you think of people, oh, I know someone that would love this, that people that you're going to want to turn it on to. I have a friend, Russell Mofsky, who's been a guest on the show before, but he's got a great band, Gold Dust Lounge. He's a great guitar player. And the whole time I'm listening to something, I'm thinking, oh, man, I got to tell Russell about this album because he would love this album. And, and that's why and he would love something uh like that like the guitar parts or whatever yeah yeah because he's a guitar player and just they're so good at just the two guitar players just coming up with these with these really clever innovative parts that that mesh with each other i'm reminded of um this song i'm reminded of hell mel oh yeah yeah for sure another great yeah guitar instrumental band and uh so the song hey mess it's funny i thought this was an instrumental and then uh so let's just do a little bit of it at first and then uh and then we'll talk a little more about uh hey mess (laughs) 
so yeah, so Matthew, I'm listening to this song, thinking, okay, this is another instrumental, you know, very uh, classic love tractor. And then about three minutes 30 into the song, all of a sudden, he starts singing. (laughs) Calgon takes scene away. Uh, It's great, but I I just want to play a little bit of it when the vocals finally come in, like really late in the song. Yeah, that's right. And and Matthew, you're old enough to to remember that reference, the Calgon uh, take me away, right? Oh yes, Calgon <laughs> take me away. All of those beleaguered mothers and housewives yes. would <laughs> run away from their three point five children uh. and, and escape in a bubble bath right. of, of Calgon. I don't know what water softener. What was Cal- Was it bubble bath? I think I think so. it was, I, I think it was yeah, some kind of bath. I, I I enjoy some some bubble bath. Okay, that's a, well that's all right. We don't we we really don't need to get into that. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'm I'm a dad, and I'll tell you that Calgon took me away quite a few times in the 1800s. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. no, I I totally get it. And you know, it's funny because the lyrics that he sent me are completely different from the actual they are right i'm I'm glad you said that because i read along and it's like oh um (laughs) these these silly lyrics don't at all line up with the actual silly lyrics in the song so So, which you know (laughs) there you go i mean it's that's it's a very plastic thing right it's like it's not traditional um you know lyric writing it's it's if if some of the words just end up getting cut and other words and you know end up getting inserted it doesn't really matter because it's just you know it's just word salad right right yeah but uh, but yeah but word salad with uh, with a lot of care put in because they are what they end up putting in is really great oh i do want to say the bass on that song totally carries that song oh okay okay not yeah. carries it i don't know what you would the term is but it, it right. roots it in a really nice way it's a very thick bass tone armistead yeah that's armistead welford and we should mention the rest of the band we should mention uh andrew uh, carter which who played drums with them for a, a long time i guess at one time uh, bill berry early on played drums with them for a little bit but uh and he's i think he's their drummer now so i mean if they play out it seems like their go-to drummer is is Bill Berry. Oh, that's nice. I could be wrong, I could be wrong but I love no, but I I love the fact that all these these Athens band they they're all they were all they were all friends at the beginning and they're all still friends and that, that's really great. That's really cool. Uh, that you know that happens uh, in these like little scenes like this that these uh, that these people are all still like you know fans of each other and and what they do and the music they well play. and Bill Berry was he lived in the same. I believe he did lived in the same crazy house that they lived in. Oh, okay. Um, Nice. And it was sort of like, um, I believe it was, I don't know the address, the, uh, the house that, um, you know, Jefferson airplane or like, you know, grateful dead lived in on, you know, on, on, on hate or Ashbury or at the corner of hate and Ashbury. Right. right. 
but that best of or collection, Jefferson Airplane Collection, is literally the address of that house. And every good music scene, you know, has as its, you know, focal point a house that, you know, where there were rehearsals, practices, right. songs were written, right. parties were thrown, yep. um, you know, good time was had. And I, there was this house. Um, I don't need to go into it any more than that, but there was a house and it was a beautiful, of course, you know, beautiful old, uh, here it is. I just found it. The inf- infamous Pylon Park, a decrepit Victorian mansion buried on the back of two acres of land inhabited by members of Pylon and Love Tractor. Oh, nice. And um, house parties, par for course, Athens art students, conceptual art movement popular at the time. And and Bill Berry was actually, was even drumming for them on, on occasion at those parties. Oh, so nice. he's been with them, you know, from the very beginning, back right. in right. 79, 80. It says here 80. So, oh, nice. Yeah, a Victorian mansion. I mean- Wow, right? Yeah. Yeah. And with the two acres of land, you can make as much noise as you want. Yes, yeah. And and that I think that's a, that that's probably why there's such expand they're so expansive sounding you know they're not insular like it's not like a band in new york that has to play in this little cramped uh you know new york studio or something it is very it's a very uh lush expansive sound and writing songs back then not where everyone's got headphones on and plugged directly into you know right 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 uh, a, a mixing board here you know i'm sure you know the beautiful thing about that era was you know everything was kind of just done acoustically it's done live in a room everyone playing in a room together right looking at each other in a room together exactly yep and you get that feeling this uh let's listen to a little this next one nova express another uh instrumental one you definitely get that feeling Uh, let's listen to a little bit of nova express I love it. It's so good. The the guitars are so expressive, and that and that was the thing I always loved about Love Tractor is that they their a lot their songs didn't didn't need lyrics, didn't need a singer because the guitars are so expressive and and what they're doing, and it's just so. Well, especially really when you're good. you know doing a song that basically it sounds like you know art damaged ska. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 
It's, it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's like a ska song, you know, in 1988. It's, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe there were uh, two, you know, all of two ska records in somebody's record collection. That's enough. <laughs> we can write a song in this, right. in this style. Yep. We, we know, we know this music well enough. It's like, you know, yep. it's great. And then of course, then the, 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 the metered uh, ska rhythm just kind of ends. And then we've just got this sort of like spaced out uh, meterless, kind of, more or less, you know, this record literally got me high. I mean, it's like, it's pretty trippy. This record is pretty. It is. It, it, yeah. it is. And and uh, and this next one, Fantasy, is actually w- one of my favorite ones on it. And definitely, I think one of the ones that maybe Peter Buck was referring to when he said '70s. Why'd you guys make a '70s record? Yeah. It's 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 just like a really good. It sounds like a really good like '70s pop song, but uh, obviously with a little you know with a little twist to it, a little edge to it. But it's really good. I just I I really like this song. Uh, let's listen to fantasy Great. I love, um, you're not the most uh, pop gun in town and all the void clowns, they put you down because uh, you don't scream and make a scene when they look up your sleeve. They can't believe that fantasy is all you need. Uh, really good lyrics. You, you know, really They're really good. fun. They're really fun. They're, they, they're full of imagery. Yeah, this, right. I would say this is probably the most power pop song on this Yes, right. record. This one has like all the classic like... Um, kind of power pop like earmarks especially at right where you uh, faded out that's it was just getting to be almost like yeah I mean some of the great like you know power pop bands of like the early 80s late 70s so yeah. as far as you could could come from being a new wave dance band it's I would say <laughs> you know right. it's, it's, it's still pretty dancey but it gets to the point of being like you know, you could do a cover of this song, and you could you could rock it out pretty 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 good if you wanted to. Yeah, 
And yeah, I, uh, one thing I, I want to make sure that I mention is that I actually got this on Bandcamp. Uh, a propeller, like I said, uh, a Propeller did a uh, re-release of this, like a twenty. I think it was like a twenty-year uh, reissue with. Uh, there's extra tracks on it, remastered, and it's really good. I got it. You can get it on Bandcamp right now. And uh, these guys still uh, get together and and uh, play once in a while, right? Yeah. Well, you know what's great is when you've made it. And you have, you know, assuming most of your fan base are still alive, you you can be pretty sure that, you know, some of those are a good number of those people that were in attendance of your very, you know, earliest shows. If they're still in the area, they're going to come and see exactly, you. Exactly, exactly. You know, 30 years on because that they, it seems like they have that kind of relationship with their fans. I tried to find the liner notes to the the reissue you were talking about, and I I couldn't, and I'm kind of bummed. But the liner notes, there are some from Peter Buck. There are liner notes from Bob Nastanovich from Pavement and Silver Jews. Oh, nice. Of course, also from Mitch Easter. And liner notes from Annie Zaleski. Right, 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 yes. Wrote the 33 and a third book of... Uh, Duran Duran Rio. So I really wanted to be able to read those and share them with you because I I was really, especially Bob Nastanovich, I was really curious what he would have to say about about this record. But you know, we we can we can only I'll, I'll find them later and. I'll, I'll try to pass them on to you because well, I'm sure you're uh, kind of uh, curious too. People could get it though. You should still get it. Like I said, it's out there. It's get it. It's worth it, and it's great. I I, I love the fact that people are still talking about uh, yeah a band like this that that you know in a way is obscure, but still they were like very they were early on in that early Athens scene, and they were uh, influential, I'm sure, to a lot of other bands, and and it's just great. It just makes me happy that they're all still around and they're all still uh, you know friends with each other and making music together once in a while now and then and i have to say i mean you know they were really forthcoming with with help and the correspondence and and yeah great. that's great um, they weren't they didn't just get a restraining order against you and think you were some kind of crazy <laughs> no. stalker no, that was that other band no <laughs> and when but, i did the church heyday with you um it, you know similar thing it's like i gotta say like if you approach it right and you know you you come at it in a you know they artists musicians they kind of know when you're for real you know and uh with with the church hated that it did for you i that was great like hearing back from geez i don't know two two thirds oh yeah that's right that's right yes of the you know members of the church including the drummer which was that was a you know uh that was a really fun surprise. Sorry to be talking about another episode. No, no, no. You're right, though. I, I totally forgot about that. But yeah, that was good. That was great. They were, and, and it's always nice that they were. I haven't had anyone yet say, "Man, you guys f- fucked that up." That was f- <laughs> take that off, no. take that down. <laughs> uh, yeah, Matthew. Uh, like I said, thanks again for bringing this record in and bringing Love Tractor. That's awesome. Uh, don't forget, everyone. Uh, if you enjoy the show, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. It's at that record got me high on X. It's at TRGMH podcast. You can email me. If you have any questions? You want to, you know, you want to say something? Any comments? I, I usually get ninety nine percent of the emails. I get are really nice. 
Um, uh, just once in a while, I get some some maniac uh, that's mad about something. But you can email me at trgmh33 at gmail.com. Most importantly, if you want to become a patron of the show and support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash trgmh. Matthew, once again, thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rob. We'll see you all again. I'm Rob Elba. We'll see you next week. Bye.